0: Good to see you all. If this is your first time here, my name is Ricardo Stewart. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, I usually do a book of the preaching and going to do such this morning. So if you have your Bible, why don't you guys go to meet me in Titus. We're going to look at Titus chapter 3, the last part of this book, and so we're concluding our series this morning. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand and keep it raised really high, and one of the ushers will hand you out a copy of God's Word. And if you don't own one, go ahead and keep the one we're handing out as our gift to you so that you can grow and a knowledge and understanding of the Lord. Um, one announcement I have, this is going to pertain to every single one of us, is there is a ministry called Right Now, uh, there's an organization called Rat Now Media. And Right Now Media is essentially uh, Christian resources meets Netflix. And so uh, we are able to give every single person here and as a part of our church a login for that. So this is legit. This is like your mom's Netflix that you've been using this whole time and stuff. Like this is something you can use and have some, a good conscience on. And hopefully in using some of these resources, you'll give your mom's account back to her. So, so here's what we have. Um, on this, there are 14,000 resources available to you. And in these 14,000 resources, I promise you there's some things in there that we probably wouldn't agree with. But in the 14,000, I guarantee you there's a lot that we would say, this is awesome. And so over the next several months, we're going to get together and pull together kind of a sub page in it that you guys will be able to have that are just recommendations from us. But here's the kind of things that you can um, look for in this. For me personally, so some of us grew up going to church and whatnot, whether we liked it or not—that that's debatable. But um, there's things on there for kids, um, like back in the day stuff, like McGee and Me, if you can reluctantly remember that. Um, there are things like VeggieTales that are on there, and in fact, VeggieTales, the owner and creator of that, they started something that they wanted to be a little bit more explicit in communicating the gospel in the in the Bible. It's called What's in the Bible? It's a question, and there's a lot of incredible material that are there that you can allow your kids to be able to watch, and even as adults, you can you can learn from. There's things in there on there's sermons, there's study guides, and so forth, and marriage. So for instance, we had Tim Kimmel that came in and taught a few weeks ago on Grace-Based Parenting. Well, his conference, Grace-Based Parenting, is online there as well. And so there are more than enough resources for us as a body to grow. We're not just doing this so that you can have more information, is that we can be equipped and edified to do the things that God has called us to do. So how do you receive this? If you are in our, our database, which most of you are, you will receive an email this week for your login. Go ahead and log in, um, learn how to use it, and so forth. Um, next week when we come back, we'll talk about it again. And if you didn't receive an email, we'll have a link that you can go to that you can go on and get a login. Again, this is legit. You can, you can, go ahead and, you can binge on this if you want to, okay? And so, uh, again, right now, ministry, uh, media, it's going to be given to you, and uh, please use it. And we, could, we have the subscription for it for the rest of our lives until Jesus comes back or they go out of business. And so this would be, be really good. All right, if you have your Bibles and you guys should be in Titus chapter 3, uh, we are going to walk together in that and finish this, this letter that Paul wrote to this church in Crete. And so here's what we have, just a recap here in about 40 seconds. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to a man named Titus who was doing church planting. That is the starting of churches in a city called Crete. In doing this, there was a central theme that traces throughout the book of Titus and that we will conclude with this morning. And that is gospel believing should produce gospel living. If you trust in Christ and the Spirit of God is in you, that it should reflect itself in the way that you live. And ethically, that it affects the way that you live as an older woman, as a younger woman, as an older man, as a younger man, as a man or a woman who is an employee, an employer, etc. And that it should look like and show itself in good works. And so for the past few weeks, it has been Paul saying, good works, devote yourself to good works. And then today we'll conclude with Paul saying, devote yourself to good works, and so that's what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. And essentially, what Paul gives us is that we are called to be a church for others, which we'll talk about here in just a second. So, um, would you guys do me a favor and uh, let's pray together and ask God to bless our time, and then we'll we'll look at the scriptures. Father, we thank you, and we ask that your Son Jesus and the power of your Spirit would be exalted this morning. Uh, that it would, we would see Jesus for who He is. That we would understand the people in whom you've called us to be the actions in what you've called us to do in response to right relationship with you, which is given to us freely. God, I pray that as a people, Lord, that we would be edified, that we would be encouraged, Lord, um, that you would wash us and continue to renew us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so this time of the season, some of you guys know this from me, I absolutely love coaching kids. And this time of the year that you coach baseball, and I have, I, last year I did it, it was, it was a blast. A lot of time, a lot of energy exhausted me with this one baseball team. So I did this year, I took two baseball teams. Uh, just because I have two sons. That's usually how that works. And so with it is, um, you you love being around kids, and really what makes coaching fun or makes it better are the parents. And so if you don't have kids in sports and you plan on putting them in sports, be the best parent you can be to your coach, because it makes it so much easier. And I've been blessed to have almost really good parents, right? No, I've got got some incredible parents, incredible, incredible, incredible parents. In fact, uh, many of them have come and been able to check out the church and so forth. And so with it, my motto whenever I coach um, is we're going to be a team for others, right? And there's no surprise where that comes from, but whatever. So we're going to be a, a team for others, and we teach the kids that. And, and this year with my two teams, I have a seven-year-old team that my oldest son is on, and they're great, and they're fun to coach. But then we have this little team with like five, four- and five-year-olds and, and maybe a couple six-year-olds, and they're amazing. I'm not saying one's better, but this is the picture that I picked of the young kids because I like them better. So this, this, is, this, is, this is our kids right here, and these kids are an absolute blast. And we're the halos, which makes sense. I'm a pastor. Why not be like an angel or something like that, right? And so I actually didn't pick the team name. Um, all those kids are five, mostly five, and a few four-year-olds. And I promise you, the kid all the way to the right, he's really five. He's not a coach. Um, that's my good friend Noah. Noah actually goes to this church here. That's not my son Noah. Someone asked me that last night. No, he's, a, he's a lighter shade than my Noah, but uh, beautiful kids, right? Good kids. So, here's, here, here's the thing. So, we say we're a team for others, and I've shared this story with, with you before, but I'm going to share it again because it makes sense. Um, we tell this story about boastful Bubba. Now, give me some grace here because this story is usually told to kids, and I'm going to tell them you guys as an adult, but you'll get it. So, here's boastful Bubba. Boastful Bubba is this guy who is a kid. He's got everything, and all the little kids, they just want to be like, boastful Bubba. Like, the kids look up to Bubba. Uh, you can take that picture down. Um, uh, <laughs> You, 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 have, you have Bubba, and Bubba is just, like, walking around, and the kids look at him. You know, like, little kids know it when, like, you know, some kids know when they're, they're the you-know-what, right? They just kind of walk around in a certain way, and, and, and Bubba has it. And Bubba would lift up his bat, and the kids would look at the bat like, man, I wish I could be like Bubba. And then Bubba would flex his muscles, and they're like, oh, I wish I could be like Bubba. All the girls are going to like him when he gets older, right? And, and they would, like, Bub, Bubba everything. Well, finally, this girl Mary comes, this kid Mary, it's a kid's story. Uh, Mary, Mary comes to Bubba and says, Bubba, where'd you get that bat from? He goes, oh, my dad bought me that bat. Oh, where'd you get those really cool shoes from you have? Oh, uh, I got them for Christmas. My dad got me these shoes. How, how could you get so good at sports? Like, you're so fast and you're so strong. as well, I'm fast and I'm strong because my mom and my dad are strong. You know, genetics, you know, kids get that. Uh, and, and so forth, right? And, and you know, and I, I, my sports, uh, you know, my dad coaches me and I've had good coaches. And, yeah, just so wait a minute. You're strong and you're fast because of your parents. You got these cool shoes because of your parents. And you got this baseball bat because of your parents. So all of these things come from other people. Why do you always act as it's, like, all about you? Right? So she confronts Bubba. So Bubba's out at the playground again the next day, and you know what he's doing? The same thing. And so Mary walks out of the park, and she sees him way out in the field, and she's got his bat up, and all the kids are still looking like, oh, it's Bubba. He's flexing his muscles again like, oh, Bubba. And she goes, this is ridiculous. So she walks out there to confront him, and what she hears is something completely different. He's like, hey, guys, you see this bat that I have? My dad bought me this bat. And when we play, you guys can all use this bat. And you see these shoes I have? Yeah, they're they're cool shoes. My dad got them for Christmas. He worked really hard. He got them for me. So yeah. And, you know, I'm fast and I'm strong because my dad was fast and strong, and that just kind of happens because I'm his son. And, and I'm pretty good at sports because I've had some really cool coaches, and that's my, my dad's pretty good at it. And if you guys want to come over to my house, I'm sure he'd love to be able to teach you guys some things too, right? So he went from boastful Bubba to just being Bubba. So we tell our kids and our team, whenever you talk about yourself, like you're not allowed to talk about yourself on our team. Like, a kid's not allowed to say, did you see that hit? Man, I hit that ball so hard, far. I just walk by and go, hey, Bubba. And they go, oh, no. Like, you know, like nobody, like nobody wants to be a Bubba, right? It's like, no, no, no. I didn't hit it hard. I'm terrible, right? And so, <laughs> so at the end of every practice and at the end of every game, we have all the kids get on the knee and say, okay, all right, tell us something your teammates did. And after you do this over a period of time, every kid raises their hand because they want to tell something about the, t- the teammates. The seven-year-olds are really good at it. The five-year-olds can't remember each other's names. They're like, oh, that kid. <laughs> right? And so they, they share these really good stories. Half of them not true, but this is amazing that they're, they're just trying to think about others. Okay, so here's why I share this, right? You have within a call of the Scripture— when you look, especially in the New Testament, God's call upon his people, it is once you understand this vertical relationship of which God himself makes you right before himself through the work of his son Jesus, that, that he makes us right, that now we're called to be for others, that we're called to be a church for others. He says, love God, love your neighbor, Jesus says. That means that you no longer just look at yourself and your own needs, but you begin to seek the interest of the other as more important than yourself. And when you, lead th- when you read through all the letters that Paul wrote, which is over half of the New Testament, you see him constantly talking about caring about others. And then when we get in Titus, as we've been for the past six weeks, he's saying, oh, yeah, because of this right relationship with Jesus, devote yourselves to good works, to good works. It's profitable. It helps others. And so this, this sense of going, we are going to be for others if we understand first and foremost that God was for us, who was the other, and he laid his life down for us. So when we begin to understand that truth, we begin to live in that truth. And so Paul has that for us here. Now, with every single organization, whether you're in the marketplace, um, every single church, and every single family, and every single uh, community, there's always going to be a few bubbles that you got to deal with, right? So if we're going to be a church for others, we got to be able to, okay, where, where are the bubbles at? Let's deal with them, and let's move a little further, all right? So here's what we have here. Verse 9 is what we pick up this morning, being a church for others. Verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. For a, for a person, ask for a person who stirs up division after warning him once, then twice, having nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So Paul gets in and says, but, and that but is a connecting word to, if you weren't here last week, it was saying, that we're supposed to stress a few things. And the things we're supposed to stress was verses four through seven, which was the fact that God had saved us through Christ Jesus, that we were all naturally by birth Bubbas, yet he washed and cleansed and made us right. And now we are to devote ourselves to good things. And then he says, verse nine, but as for our particular Bubbas who remain, he says, avoid foolish controversies. Now the word foolish there um, means stupid. Now for those of you who have kids in the room and you've taught them to not say that word, that's what that word means. Kids, talk to your parents and say, thank you for bringing me to church today. There's something that I learned that I need to talk to you about, all right? And so, only in this context, kids, are you allowed to use this. So, it avoids these foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Just before that, last week, he talked about these good works and how they in themselves were profitable and they were excellent, meaning, When you respond in such a way that you are building up others in response to your love for Jesus, it is good for all people, people who are non-Christians and people who are followers of Christ. However, when you become a divisive person, that when you stir up dissensions and quarrels about silly little things, that it's bad and never good, right? He says, avoid it, which literally means turn your back to it, be done with it. And so you can look at it and go, okay, well, what are the genealogies and so forth? What he's talking about is it could either be a theological issue or a non-theological issue. Here's what I mean. Within the church, we have open-hand issues and then we have closed-hand issues. Now, open-hand issues are issues that, that Christians will disagree on. Meaning, as Christianity has developed over the past two centuries, that there have been Christians who have read the Scriptures, understood the Scriptures, and landed in different opinions of interpretation over particular text. Those things could be, like, in times. When is Jesus coming—or, excuse me, how is Jesus coming back? Not necessarily when, because no one knows. I get it. There's going to be a billboard in about three more years. It's going to let us know. But those have never worked how Jesus is coming back, and people can read throughout the scriptures, and primarily in Revelation, primarily in Revelation chapter 20, and they can look at it and go, okay, this is the view. And then other people, men and women, will go, no, 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 we've studied it. This is the view. And then other people say, this is the view. We say, that's an open hand issue. We can debate about it. We could disagree about it, but we're not going to divide about that. Um, Other issues that are open-hand is what you do with the gifts and so-called signs gifts, the spiritual gifts like prophecy and tongues. There are some who would believe that those gifts are no more, and there were some, myself, who would agree that they continue. That is an open-hand issue. That's not something we would say if you believe this way or that way, you were not a part of God's family, right? Open-hand issues. Then there's closed-hand issues. These are issues that we can't mess with at all. These are things that are essential to what it means to be a follower of Christ, so if someone were to say, yeah, we are saved um, by our works and faith, we go, no, 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 no. That's a closed-hand issue. We can't mess with that. We are saved by grace, by faith, apart from works. Like, we, we can't mess with that. Um, Jesus is the only way to know the Father and have relationship with God. That's a closed-hand issue. Like, we can't jack with that. That's closed-hand, right? We, we can argue over that because this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, what you have in any circle is you have all these open-hand issues that are theological, and then there's non-theological issues. My guess is you and I are not getting together and arguing over genealogies. Most of us, until Ancestry.com came around, didn't even know where we were from, right? And so, so that's not it. Our issues come over other petty things that people will argue over. True story. I remember one of the first meetings I had um, between two people who were having issues with each other, and I'm ready to throw down. I just became this pastor. Let's, let's just settle this. It was two ladies. It came over with their husbands over, cl- I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you, <laughs> cloth diapers or disposable diapers. I walked in that meeting going like, oh, man, I was ready to. This is, this is not necessarily that big of a deal, but it was to them. Now, here's what I would say on those issues. Have your convictions. Like, have your convictions on schooling. Have your convictions on the way you raise your kids. Have your conviction that. However, you cannot place your conviction upon somebody else to the point that now it's dividing the church. Right? we have to understand that when we gather, there are people in this room that are massively different than us on open hand issues and issues that are open hand meaning non theological that they think differently that they vote differently and so forth, and we have to be able to be one because that's th- Jesus gave his life for it don 't try to undo by your quarrels what Christ himself bled to make one that 's paul 's point he 's saying avoid these things, as they begin to happen, as these dissensions continue to happen, these controversies. Here's the thing, though. Um, we are people who love controversy. We, we love a little bit of let's fight just to fight. Let's argue just to argue. And some of us are not, right? I would probably be in the category that would probably pick a fight for no reason, right? Somebody says it's hot outside. Oh, you think it's hot outside? I mean, well, I can show you about other places that are way hotter than this. I'm just saying, like, do you understand your privilege for living in a place where, you know, like, it's like, wait, wait, man, I just made a comment. I just made a comment, right? So Tim Chester says this most about, I think, best about this controversy. So here's a quote that he says. He says, it may be true that our preaching stresses the gospel, but our conversations so often stress controversy. The letters and emails that people write stress controversy. The points that people raise stress controversy. We agree on the kindness of the Father, the renewal of the Spirit, the grace of the Son, and the hope of eternal life. And these things are excellent and profitable. But we put our energy into controversies, arguments, and quarrels. We do this even though Paul says such things are unprofitable and useless or worthless. It's inevitable, as we do life together, that there's going to be some friends and people in whom you love that are sitting next to you in this room that are going to have certain convictions that are different than yours. They may not tell them to you, but you will read them on their Facebook page, right? (laughs) And what Paul is saying here is those things should not be things that we should divide over, that that we shouldn't divide over those particular things. Um, So what do we do if a person is divisive and that person persists in that? And now it's sinful to the point where they're tearing apart what God has brought together through his work. Where Paul says some harsh words here that we need to understand. Verse 10, As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and is self-condemned. Um, he says, go to that man, that woman, that child, and say, um, this is sinful. Like what you're doing right now and the way that you're going about this makes this about you and you're not taking in account our community here. And that person says, doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. And you come back again. We see this in 1 Corinthians 5. We also see this in Matthew when Jesus is speaking. He says, now you bring somebody else with you. Say, hey, listen, this is what this is doing. This is tearing us apart. This is sinful, right? You you, you are tearing apart our community, our church, and so forth. You're being very divisive. I "I don't care. I'm not going to do it. At that point, Paul says, avoid them. We hear that and go, oh, I wish that wasn't there. You know why? We're Westerners individualism is the way that we, 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 we just roll. Everybody should be able to do what they want to do. We don't, we want to avoid a controversy. We don't really think about the whole. We don't think about the community. Ironically, our faith is very Eastern, right? It comes from a place of Judaism and so forth, and so the community matters. But even more than that, theologically, it matters to God. When you look at what Jesus is doing through the work of the cross, he's not just forgiving our sins, In fact, when you read Paul's letters, the very heart, if you want to say, what is the heart of of Pauline letters, meaning the letters that Paul wrote, it is reconciliation and unity. It is understanding God has reconciled you to himself, In fact, when you read Ephesians 1, it is God has reconciled you to himself. And then Ephesians 2 is going, now that you understand that you were reconciled with God, that he's also bled in such a way that you may become one. That's men and women and children. That's black and white. That's old and young. That now in Christ Jesus, there is this new creation that we have that he says in Corinthians. that There's this beautiful bringing together. And so when there's something that is trying to tear apart of which Jesus's body was broken for, God takes very serious, like very serious, that, that sin does not continue. It's not saying this person has an issue and he's repented and he's issued and it repented and, or she has an issue, she's repented. It is saying, I'm willfully saying I'm not going to. And what Paul is saying here is when a person is doing that, they are declaring in their own actions, they don't want to be a part of what God is doing in his covenantal community. And so, so, so he says, what we know in every community, every community, what Paul is saying is there's going to be, quote me, haters. And the haters are going to hate, 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 (laughs) hate. And what we need to do is just shake it off. (laughs) The Apostle Paul and Taylor Swift, right? So Paul has that. So the first, the first thing we have here is, is being in church for others is you, you, we, we have to understand that, that not everything in the church is always going to be peachy keen, that there's not everything is going to be going the way that we want it to go, that there's going to be dissensions and how to be able to deal with those dissensions. And we have to honestly ask ourselves, are we those people? Are we those people that are looking for unity? Or are we looking at those people that are looking for ourselves? Are we ultimately looking after number one? Or are we looking for the whole and saying, what's best for the people around me, even though this might be my personal decision, Right? So when it comes to, as our church continues to get older and everybody's making decisions about schooling or whatever it may be, especially schooling, you know what, you've got to have a conviction on what you want, how you want to school your kids, right? And I've always said that I've all wanted an elder board to be as diverse in the way that they school their kids, and so some people homeschool, and some people public school, and some people private school, and a charter school, and me and Holly, we're just not going to educate our kids at all, and so that <laughs> you can say, what are, our, what are our leaders doing? Oh, that's great. Their kids don't do anything, all right? And so we'll say, hey, that's our conviction, all right? So just don't be divisive divisive that. Don't be, don't be the people that break up the band. We all have our favorite bands that you know that is broken up because one individual takes off, right? In the 70s, John Lennon was like, we're done. We're going to, the Beatles are done. And then the 90s, in the 90s, right? It was the Fugees when Lauryn Hill left. (laughs) In the 2000s, it was Destiny Child and Beyonce did her own thing, right? Just don't, right? Just don't, don't, don't do the Beyonce thing, right? Keep it together. Paul transitions here to this last part, this last part. I I didn't use that last hour. I probably won't do it again. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Sorry. All right. So this last part here, Paul begins to do what he normally does, and that is at the very end of his letters, which is very common in this day for letters that are not just Christian letters, but any letters, is to kind of talk about your travel plans and so forth. And for Paul, he uses names of a bunch of guys that we can't even pronounce their names, so we're going to try it as hard as we can here, and then he gets to the thrust of it in verse 14. So verse 12, he says this, when I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Like, all right, Paul's going somewhere on the winter. Um, these two men, we can learn something about this, about the church. These two men, Artemis, we've never heard of, and when we say we've never heard of them, that means as we read the other letters um, in the Bible, or we read the, 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 the book of Acts, we don't see the relationship because most of what we say we know someone is because we see it from the scripture. So he's never been mentioned until this time. Tychicus, we've, we've known about. He's been around Paul before. But he's, they want him to meet him at a particular city. He wants, excuse me, Titus to meet him at a city. That means Titus is leaving Crate, and these other guys are going to come, and they're going to take his role. That's awesome. We live in a particularly celebrity-crazed culture. Would you guys just, just, if you don't agree with me, just acknowledge that when it comes to anybody that's somewhat celebrity, we want to know something about them. If we can get near them, we want to be like, yeah, you won't believe who I met, right? There's some sort of celebrity, and it bleeds into the church. And so we have what is called, to me as an oxymoron, a celebrity pastor, which is crazy because pastors are supposed to follow Jesus who washes feet. I don't see a whole lot of celebrities washing feet. What you have also is people go, there's a certain ministry that gets growing and so forth, and people have the thing of what's going to happen if that person or those people leave, this thing is going to end. Listen, if God's in it, it's going to be just fine. (laughs) The mission is always going to be the mission, and it's always God's. It's never God's man or God's woman. It's God. If God wants to continue it, it's going to happen. If the elders here and myself left here, Redemption Tempe will be just fine. You know what? Because God's gonna raise up somebody else, and that person's gonna lead. And people are like, "What was that other guy's name?" It was like, oh, "I was like Roberto or something." I don't know, right? <laughs> it, it, God moves, forward, and that is helpful for us because as leaders, listen, God can just go one to the next. It's His; it's all about Him, and I love it. And 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 I love that Titus. We don't know up. Titus was probably cool with this, right? Paul said, "Hey, guess what? You're leaving. I know you've been doing this this work there. You've been doing a great job. Guess what? Your name's gonna be in the Bible. Got you." Uh, but you're, you're leaving, and these other guys are going to come, and then he mentions a few other guys here in verse 13. He says, do your best to speed uh, Zenus and the, the lawyer, and don't think lawyer-like the way we think about lawyer in our day. Think about someone who studies the law, the law of God, and so the law of God, more like a really good Bible teacher, and so bring, him, bring Zenos and Apollos on their way. We don't know about Zenus from the scripture, but Apollos we do know, and going back to the unity thing within church and not overpraising your leaders and just letting people be people and God using their gifts. Apollos we hear most about in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And in that church, they're picking pastors who they like better. Think about that. There are people who are going to church just saying, I wonder if Apollos is going to preach today, or I wonder if Paul's going to preach today. Just saying, right? And so there's, there's, there's this thing going on, and then they go, some of you, Paul says, some of you say you like Apollos. He breaks down the scripture. He chops it up. Some of you guys see like Paul. He tells really good stories or whatever, right? He goes, here's the deal. One plants, and another water's. But God is the one who makes it grow. Once again, it really is God's church, right? Like, it's what he wants to do and how he's going to continue to lead it. He says, bring these guys, and he says, make sure that they lack nothing, meaning be hospitable to them. And then he gets this verse that is somewhat of the theme verse of the whole book. Verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. In essence, have our people learn how to be about others. Why is it important for us to tell ourselves and our children to be about others? We're naturally about ourselves. And even kids are naturally about themselves. So I told this story about the kids raising their hand. It sounds like, all oh, these kids get it. Here's how that works sometimes. Someone will be like, oh, I saw somebody else do a good play. And the kids will be like, me, me, tell them, tell them me. Right? Because they've learned I can't talk about myself, but if somebody else says something, tell them, tell them. Right? And so we're like that. And, and in our day, there's especially reality TV, which I watch sometimes, not a whole lot, you know, but you'll see these things where somebody's marriage or something will be wrong in their life, and they'll say, the reason why this happened is I've been caring for everybody else, and I have not cared about my what? Myself. I just need to care about myself. I just need to care about myself. And it's interesting, and I'm not against soul care. I think soul care and self-care, all those things are really helpful and really good. And I get, I get what they're trying to get at. But to somehow say that my issue is that I care too much about other people, that hasn't been necessarily my experience in the 33 years I've lived. Now, I, I haven't lived that long. I'm just, that hasn't been the experience. Um, we naturally don't think about the other. We actually don't naturally go towards others. We say, how do I, we, we do what we do in the airplanes, right? You know, they tell an airplane, if this plane's going to go down and you have a kid next to you, make sure you put the mask on yourself. And if you have time, save your kids, right? <laughs> um, like, there's, we, we, how do I take care of myself? And then so forth. But Jesus says it this way. Love your neighbor as you love your what? So if you guys read your Bibles, look at that. That's good. Um, he just assumes that we're going to care for ourselves. We're going to put on clothes. You guys all have clothes on today. Thank you. Um, <laughs> some means of transportation. Um, just know where we are, most of us, many of us have some form of education. Many of us have even a college degree and so forth. Um, that there's things that we have. And he said, could you just do that for people who are in urgent need? That everyone doesn't need to be at your standard of live, and that's not what he's saying. But can you, can you just kind of reach across the street? Can you reach down the aisle? Can you reach down the dorm? Paul, can you can you reach over somewhere else and just go ahead and do that for somebody else? Can, can you think about the needs that are there and live for that? That's actually where you're going to find your greatest joy. Um, maybe, like Paul describes Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, who did not— cr- equate equality with God, ultimately finds himself, even though he is God, and humbles himself as a servant. Or the picture of Jesus we see getting down, washing feet, or what we see in, um, in Philippians chapter 2, again, as him saying, seat the interests of the other as more important than yourself, that there's a sense of going, we are supposed to be about others. Even when it comes to the debates or arguments that we get in, it's not about us winning. Sometimes we just want to win, and so we attack the person and not the problem, when really you're supposed to attack the problem and not the person. Like these, these things of going, how do we learn to devote ourselves to good works? Now, if you weren't here last week, what we, what we talked about is this whole devoting yourselves. When it says devote yourself to good works, that word devote literally means take the lead. He, he's speaking to a group of people, not just an individual. He's saying take the lead on good works. Meaning as a community, as a church, so as we look at ourselves as Redemption Tempe, how do we take the lead on meeting the needs and serving and caring and devoting ourselves to good works for those within our congregation? and those who don't even go to church. Because this is something we don't wait on some other institution or some other people group or somebody else to be able to do something that we say if there's a need, then we have to try to somehow figure out what is the best way for us to be able to meet those needs in the power and the name of Jesus. Because the church is the only institution that does not only exist for itself and its members, but also for those who may never become members. And we do it because we realize we've already gained everything we need in Christ Jesus, and now God himself has called us to be a part of his mission. Amen? So practically— I want to close with this. What what does this look like? Like, what is a a way that we could, say, take a step? Because a lot of this is really habit-forming and it's getting the habit of things. And if you've ever tried to change a habit, a habit doesn't change overnight. Just because you go, I walked out of here, I heard this sermon, I'm I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, right? You've had that experience before. Some of you have had that experience before. I haven't. Where you've been in college and you've had that late night. You're like, you know what? I'm never going to drink again. And that's worked for nobody. All right, so... You got to start somewhere and you grow. That's how habits work. You start here and you go here, you go here, you go here. So one of the things we've been a part of and um, leading in different studies and stuff that we've led as churches, um, as Redemption Church, is these things called blessed rhythms or blessed habits or whatever you want to call them. Now, these these are not unique to us. They're not original to us. We, we, we stole them from somebody else. By the way, nothing's original. It's Jesus's. And so, um, so we didn't copyright this. Um, and so Everybody, every, everybody plagiarizes Jesus at some point, just saying he created everything. So when it comes to this, this is a way in which we've been able to journal, write down things that we want to do. And the purpose of this is when you learn, this is a process, to devote yourself to good works, it has to be intentional. There's got to be some intentionality. So I'm going to walk you through these acronyms. You can write them down. I'm going to put them on the website, and it's called Bless Rhythms or Bless Habits. Here's where the first one is B. And B stands for bless. <laughs> you want to bless somebody who's like you? Um, intentionally bless a Christ followers, non-Christians, and those who are different than you. So you sit down in your journal, you write, you go, okay, there's this person at my work, and woo, is he different than me, right? So I'm going to bless them. I'm going to give them a cup of coffee. Um, I'm going to say something nice about them. I'm going to drop off some pencils or whatever it is you do. Just something simple. Don't, oh, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to build a house for them. Easy, right? Um, start somewhere. The L is listen. Listen to what God is saying to you through his word and others. So you go to the scriptures and you listen and say, God, what are you saying? Let me reread Titus. Let, let, let me read through some Psalms. Let me read through the scriptures. And then also let me go to people and let me ask them, what is God teaching you? Or what do you think God might be teaching me and how people speak into your life in that sense? So there's listen. And the, the E is for eat. And so you share a meal with a Christ follower and someone who's not a Christian, right? And you don't have to say, hey, my pastor told me to eat with you, you're not a Christian, and so that you meet my requirements, and so let's hurry up, and, uh, right? No, just get a meal. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, a full meal. If, you, if it's coffee, if it's get a coffee. If it's something else that you eat at work or whatever, just sit down and say, I'm going to have a meal with you. Next one here is speak. The first S is speak, and that's to God through prayer and to others about Jesus through witness. And I would even add just being able to speak encouragement with people. Like, sometimes it's good just to tell people, hey, I'm thinking of you, right? People that you love. Now, don't just go texting people that you don't know, really, that you're thinking of them. Um, <laughs> this is an experience I had was as a campus minister, people who share the gospel on campus, and there was a person that I knew um, that wasn't a, a Christian. Had got, this guy had got his number, was texting him, and he'd always say, hey, I don't get why this guy keeps texting me. I'm like, hey, man, he's just trying to get you to go. his Bible studies, man. The dude loves you. He goes, yeah, man, but look at this. He keeps, like, texting me, like, every other day, like, hey, I'm thinking of you. And I was like, oh, I can see how you can uh, misinterpret what he's saying there. Um, (laughs) He's thinking of you like he—yeah, man, just go talk to him, man. Just go talk to him. So you could speak encouraging words to people. And the last one, the S, is Sabbath. This is being intentional about taking time to both rest and to recreate. That's something—I know it seems like, oh, people just do this naturally. No, you have to intentionally plan this because Netflix and binging is not necessarily what you're doing to relax, just because you're with your friends doesn't mean that you're really resting. The reason why God gave us the Sabbath is not because we couldn't work all the time. We can actually work a lot. We've proven that. It's ultimately the trust that God is the one who's going to grow it, whatever it is, that God is the one who's fully in control. So it's not that we check out, is that we intentionally and mindfully um, find places and areas and people where we intentionally find the rest that we need to say God is the one who's ultimately in control. We find ourselves devoting ourselves to wor- God's word through this, through praying for others, through meeting with others, and then ultimately even caring for ourselves in an appropriate way because we are holistic beings and God meets us holistically. So, so as we look at this, Paul closes his, le- closes his letter in verse 15 and says, All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith, and grace be with you all. Paul starts where—he finishes where he starts, and that is God's grace. That if we're going to put the leaders in place, as he talked about in chapter one, we're going to need God's grace. If we're going to be able to say no to the false teachers, to even know that they're false, we've got to understand truth as revealed through God's grace. If we're going to be the men and women that God has called us to be, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, if we're going to be for others as God has called us to be, all of it has to be started, sustained, and completed by the grace that is ours and found in Jesus Christ. Amen? So as always, as we finish the series, we thank God for the reading of his word. We thank God for the teaching of his word, and we ask that it would fill our hearts, that it would fill our lives, and it would flow through our hands and our feet and everything that we do. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the grace that's been extended to us through your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the writing um, and for the inspiring of your word, that the way that Paul wrote, led by your spirit to the church and create, matters to us today affects us today, that your words transform us today, that it gives us a desire in Jesus, Lord, to look most like you. I pray that you would continue to form us as a community, that we would care of the needs of the people in our community and those, Lord, who are not yet a part of it. God, I pray that you would humble us as a church. God, any teaching that is false, that are an error, that you would correct. God, that we would see and praise and glory and worship and revel in the work of your son, Jesus. And God, in response to that, we would seek to replicate him in every facet and every sphere of the world in which you are calling us to. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us to good works and that we have an example in Christ and we also have the power to do such in and through Christ by his spirit. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen.